You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be highlighting a feature that we recently published on SlashFilm.com. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at Slash Film, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film staff writer, BJ Colangelo. Hi, 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 yeah. All right, BJ, welcome back to the show. Uh, the news, there's not really a ton of news going on. Um, the director, Wolfgang Peterson, just passed away. So that is something that we've been spending a lot of our time on uh, on the site today, uh, mm-hmm. remembering him and, and writing. I think you actually wrote an article about you know where you can find five of his movies. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm going to link to those in the show notes and, and the obituary that we wrote as well. He's the director of movies like Air Force One and The Never Ending Story and um, several like you know, mainstream Hollywood, uh, big time movies that I'm guessing a lot of our listeners have seen. So mm-hmm. that's been taking up a lot of our, um, our time on the, on the news desk, so to speak. But, um, I wanted to have you on to talk about this article that you wrote called why celebrity stunt casting hurts animated movies and how Hollywood can fix it. And I read this article and really, really enjoyed it. I'm going to link to this in the show notes as well. So people can read it. Um, but I wanted to sort of give you a platform here to talk about this because I could sense the passion that you have for this <laughs> subject. Uh, it was bursting off of the page as I was reading it. So, um, why does this idea of, uh, of casting famous people for voice acting hurt animated movies? And, um, and yeah, what, what do you think about that? Sure. So I'm glad that you could sense the passion because this is absolutely something that means a lot to me. I am a lifelong fan of animation um, in all forms. And 
I've written a lot on the site about animation. Uh, after the Oscars, I wrote a big piece about like, hey guys, can we uh, stop pretending animation is just for kids? And by guys, I mean the uh, Academy of yes. Movies. <laughs> um, so so this is something that's been on my mind uh, pretty, pretty often. And I think it all just kind of came to a head with the whole Chris Pratt getting cast as Mario thing. Um, Obviously, that announcement was made over a year ago, and it's just been simmering and simmering in the back of my mind for about a year now. And I think what finally pushed me over the edge is I finally caught uh, DC League of Super Pets, and I was so distracted by some of the celebrity voice cast. And it's not to say that they're not trying, that they're not doing a good job. But when Kevin Hart is just doing Kevin Hart's voice, and it's the same voice that he uses for everything, and the gimmick is not... Kevin Hart as a character, the gimmick is we just got Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. It just feels so disrespectful. Uh, this has been a piece that's, I think, long time coming for me. And I just finally was like, I got to write about it. It feels at least somewhat relevant given this new release from from Warner Brothers in DC. But we, we got to talk about it because it's a problem and it's only getting worse. Yeah. So this idea of being disrespectful is really interesting to me. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit more about that, because for maybe some of our listeners who don't really pay much attention to the animated world and, and sort of how these casting, maybe, maybe people, you know, would just watch movies without necessarily reading the cast list and maybe don't even mm-hmm. recognize some of these famous people. Um, what do you think about the, you know, you mentioned that concept of disrespect, like who who is being disrespected in the situation? <laughs> sure. So the, the short answer is people who are voice actors first and occasionally other actors second. These are the people that are being disrespected and we're seeing it in a, in a number of ways. So for one example, uh, we'll go to the Chris Pratt-ism of it all. Charles Martinet has been doing the voice of Mario for almost 30 years, over 30 years, I think, at this point. And the fact that Mario is finally being brought to the big screen in the form that we all know him, this is no disrespect to to Bob Hoskins or Captain Lou Albano or the people who've done live action Mario. I'm talking Mm -hmm. like... 3D animated Mario. The fact that it's not going to be Charles Martinet feels like such a disrespectful move to his legacy in that the reason people have such a love of this character, of course, is the games, but it's the character work that he's done. It's it's the work he's put in to craft this character. And the fact that he's not going to be the one that gets to voice the character on the big screen that is then going to have like subsequent wealth from residuals and what have you and merchandising from this movie is so disrespectful. So mm-hmm. that's one example that I find to be really, really egregious. Um, another thing that I had brought up recently is I wrote an article about the film Bell, which is an anime, and it was to highlight, you know, th- what a great job they did with the English dubbing for this Japanese film. And one of the people that is in there is uh, Wendy Lee, who has over 600 credits to her name. And yet if I say Wendy Lee, I doubt people know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And so it's stuff like this that is really bothersome to me that we have these incredible performers who have been able to sort of disguise their voices and live in so many characters that we love so deeply but they're not paid as much. They're not given as much access to, to I guess, like the fame system of it all. And, mm-hmm. you know, to some extent, I know plenty of them probably love that they can exist as normal human beings and go to go to Trader Joe's and not have to worry about obsessive fans like chasing them down the way most celebrities do. Right. I'm sure that's a benefit. But it is also really disrespectful that these are the people that put in the tireless hours over and over again. And this is their 
this is their art form. This is their form of acting. And suddenly it's just like, you know, we we need a big name. Here's a celebrity. And they're just going to do it in their own voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering if you can pinpoint a sort of patient zero for this trend, because this is something that's been going on for a long, long time. It's unfortunately Robin Williams, and it's at no fault of his own. That is patient zero for all of this. And Robin Williams is interesting because his work as the genie in Aladdin is is fantastic. It's absolutely phenomenal work. But he knew what a problem this was going to be to the point where he told Disney, yeah, I'll do this movie as long as you don't use my likeness or my voice or anything in terms of marketing or merchandising. I don't want to be a part of that. And they didn't listen to him. And they went back on their word and they obviously marketed the crap out of him uh, Mm -hmm. to the point where it's in his will that Disney cannot use his voice or likeness for the genie for 25 years post his passing. He was that mad. (laughs) Um, But that was that was unfortunately patient zero because uh, stunt casting existed long before Robin Williams. But the way that it exploded in the wake of Aladdin that's where it started because after that, you know, we get Jeffrey Katzenberg starting DreamWorks Animation. He his first feature there is Ants, which is almost an exclusively celebrity cast in the weirdest Christopher Walken role I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> that's saying something, and that's saying something. But Ants was big, and then obviously Shrek, which was just a a complete cultural juggernaut. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that there there is a difference between an actor who understands voice acting and knows how to throw their voice. I mean, Mark Hamill's a perfect example. Alan Tudyk, Phil Lamar. These are people who have proven time and time again that they can do acting in on, on stage, on screen, as well as voiceover. Mm-hmm. But then you get people like Brad Pitt in Sinbad and buddy, what are you doing there? Yeah, you I just... forgot about that entire <sighs> thing. You mentioned that in that article and I was like, wow, I just like straight up memory hold that entire experience. <laughs> it's it's so bad. And, and it goes across all platforms. Film, I think is the worst, but it also happens in video games. They cast Ronda Rousey to voice Sonya Blade in a Mortal Kombat and she is abysmal. She's so yeah. bad. <laughs> and, and, and it's really difficult because I understand that Ultimately, as much as we love film, it is a business. You do have to make money. But it just seems like the priorities are not in line. And the argument that is made all the time is, well, no one knows who these people are. Well, yeah, because you don't promote them. You don't put them on the poster. You don't do marketing videos where you talk about, like, look at this amazing person. Did you know they've voiced 600 characters? I don't know why that that's never been a selling point. And it's like it's, it's a perpetuating cycle that we're never going to be able to escape unless we make some changes. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that because, you know, the the back half of your title here is how Hollywood can fix it. And you highlight um, Turning Red in your article as like a good example of uh, a movie that sort of, um, I don't know, almost like has its cake and eats it too a little bit. Uh, Can you talk about that? So Pixar and Turning Red, they really found the perfect balance because when the movie was first announced, Obviously, Sandra Oh was at the forefront. She's going to play this mom character. The teaser trailer focused on the mom character and then the panda. That was that was how they channeled it, which I thought was really smart. You're using the celebrity to get interest. You're getting the, the general public invested. Good move. But then when it started to get into the real thick of it, when they were doing their press days and all of their little exclusive featurettes they were releasing – 
they dedicated a lot of time to Rosalie Chang, who voices Maylin Lee, who is the lead of the movie. This is her first role. And they really realized that there's a good angle here, that she was somebody that was brought in to just record the temp tracks, but she was so good that we had to hire her and we kept her. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things they did on that press day was show us the video of director Domishi offering her the job and how emotional it was and how beautiful it was. And everyone in the room immediately was like, oh, I'm rooting for this girl. I want to see what she does next. She's fantastic. So Turning Red really figured it out. They were like, we know that we need to talk about Sandra Oh and get you know all the Grey's Anatomy and Killing Eve fans to pay attention. We got that. But also, like, look at this heartwarming story about this young girl who got the opportunity of a lifetime because she was the best one for the job. They mm-hmm. didn't replace her with a celebrity. And and honestly, that's probably what they were trying to do is they brought this girl in for temp tracks in the idea that or under the idea that some celebrity kid or whoever was going to come in and provide the voice. And they didn't do it. They were like, nope. She's good. She's the one who deserves it. She's the best one for the role. And I thought that was genius. Absolutely yeah. genius. And I don't I don't know why more films aren't doing it. I, I know I mentioned also uh, the Space Jam sequel. Why are you not talking about the people who have been taking over these legendary roles from Mel Blanc for years now? Because people don't know about them. And they've been putting in this incredible work. And they're the co-stars of the movie. And we heard like next to nothing about them. Right. Yeah, I, so I guess like in, in terms of a, a path forward, um, I, I mean, I'm guessing a lot of people, you know, m- from the outside looking in might say, well, this is, you know, just sort of like throw up their hands a, a little bit and be like, well, this is just kind of like how the industry has evolved. This is what mainstream, you know, American studio uh, animated movies are now. You know, it's all uh, like the, the idea of the hiring famous people. You, you almost like can't get away from that now. So I guess is the is the ideal way forward in your mind you know, a, a mixture of the two, like you're talking about with Turning Red, or do you think that it's ever, it's going to be possible for a Disney or a, a DreamWorks or whatever to actually like release a whole movie where there's not a single celebrity in the cast? Do you think that that is, as, is even like on the table as an option anymore? I don't think it's on the table as an option anymore, which is a real shame. I do think that the hybrid model is the best possible way to do it. I think you need to get a couple big names in there, but for the most part, the cast should be beefed up with voiceover actors. And when it comes to the marketing, you have to include them in part of that package because that's the only way that they're going to become household names. A movie that I didn't mention in the article, but I think uh, is is a good example of this, is Back to the Outback, um, which was a Netflix movie. Uh, it was Australian made. It's, it's very cute. And Isla Fisher is one of the people that they talked a lot about. Um, but Tim Minchin is also one of the leads in that. And Tim Minchin is not super well-known here in the States, but he's really big in Australia. He's about to be even bigger because he provided the music for the Matilda musical that I know Netflix is going to be putting out. So, uh, you know, this is a a voice actor that is known, you know, very popularly uh, in a different part of the world, and they were not afraid to include him in their marketing. So it was this nice hybrid. It was also filled with a lot of other different Australian actors because they really wanted to emphasize, like, we're letting people be who they are. Isla Fisher does not have to put it on an American accent for this. She can just speak in her natural dialect. Mm -hmm. And that's always exciting. I know people say the same thing about like Tony Collette, whenever Tony Collette gets to be Australian, they're like, I forgot. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that can be something that's fun. And that's like, there's so many different ways that they can repackage these animated features. If you want people 
to fall in love with the characters again. Let them know the people that are behind the characters. And it's not to say that you can't have a successful film without it. I look at something like The Little Mermaid and yeah, there are a couple people in there that are, you know, Hollywood people, but for the most part, they're not. They're voiceover people. Mm -hmm. They're Broadway people. And Disney started their renaissance on that. So it's proven that it can happen, that it can work. People will go see the movie if they believe in it, if they believe in the story. But I mean, like I said in my article, I didn't know what DC Super Pets was about until like a couple days before the movie was available to see because the marketing told me nothing. It told me Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart. And that's Right. All I knew. Mm. And that's that's not a way for for audiences to have faith in your product. If you tell me what the story is about, that's different. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a great point. I'm, I'm also curious. You mentioned like, um, you know, Phil Lamar and Mark Hamill and Alan Tudyk. Are there any other actors that that um, I guess are primarily oh, let's see, what's the best way to say this are pr primarily not known as voice actors um, that you think do a particularly good job in that field? J.K. Simmons is one that I always come back to. It's like my favorite party trick to be like, did you know J.K. Simmons voices the yellow M&M? Because <laughs> yes, I just learned that like, I don't know, two years ago or something. It completely blew my mind. Yeah. Like there are so many actors like him. I mean, a lot of comedians as well. If you have somebody who is coming from a comedy background, like Kristen Schaal is somebody that I pointed out as well. And Jenny Slate, who also have like very unique voices. Mm -hmm. um, they do really well uh, in, in front of the camera, as well as when their voice is just being used. Um, these are people that I think have done a really good job because it's clear that they respect the art of voiceover. They are trying really hard. Dante Bosco is another one um, where they, they understand how to use their voice and they understand how to create characters. These are people who often have a lot of training in acting, so they know how to create characters, they know how to improvise, or comedy. A lot of them come from comedy backgrounds or improv comedy backgrounds, which is a lot of character work. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that the, it shows. I genuinely think that it shows um, because you're seeing the artist tools on display with voiceover. And um, I don't know, like, and that's what gets complicated is because when I talk about stunt casting and how it bothers me, the first thing that I always hear is somebody will name someone like a Mark Hamill. They're like, oh, so Mark Hamill can't be the Joker? And I'm like, no, <laughs> he can be the Joker. He is the Joker. He's fantastic. But not every celebrity can do what Mark Hamill can do. Right. And that's totally fine. Like, it's it's a totally different skill set. That's like trying to tell somebody who has never read Shakespeare a day in their life, like, surprise, you should go be Hamlet. No, that's ridiculous. Why would you mm. do that to somebody? You're setting them up for failure. And ultimately, that's what it is. Like, that's what's happening when we have these stunt castings that don't work. You are setting them up for failure because you're not playing to their strengths. And th everybody loses when that happens. Yeah, I think one of the really interesting examples of this is the um, the What If uh, Marvel uh, TV show. Oh, my Disney God, Plus. yes. <laughs> um, because, you know, that's like so fascinating because the same, uh, in, in many cases, the same actors who played the characters who sort of like, um, originated characters in the live action Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, were, you know, reprising their roles in animation. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that the, that, that distinction you're talking about of it being a totally different art form is, I mean, it's so clear that juxtaposition of how they work in live action versus what they can do in a booth. And it's just that, that line, if you're, if you're looking for an example of what BJ is talking about, go, you know, watch the live action MCU stuff and then tap into 
season one of what if and you'll notice which actors it's very very clear which ones are not super comfortable doing that work so um yeah absolutely all that out but i mean i mean people don't realize like how different the mediums are because i think there's this there's this misunderstanding that voiceover is quote unquote easier than acting when if 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 i'm going to be honest it's harder it's way harder you do not have eye contact you do not have body language you have to convey all of those emotions all of that intent all of that subtext with just your voice you have nothing else to help you and mm-hmm. that's really really hard yeah that's what it like as soon as I learned about the concept of ADR, which I think is, uh, is it automated dialogue replacement? I think that's what yeah, that I think stands so. for. Um, you know, my brain just exploded when I was a, a young film lover, like being, you know, just thinking about actors having to go into a booth and, you know, re- repeat their own performances in high pressure situations and try to, re- you know, capture mm-hmm. the the emotion that they had on set. Um, even, that is sort of like a version of what you're talking about. And, and even that just seems like incredibly difficult to do. And the fact that like, you know, most movies have to rely pretty heavily on that because it's it's very difficult to capture perfect sound sort of out in the field. Um, is is uh, man, yeah, it just it just like helps underscore the point that you're making of of it's just oh, you know, it's totally. It's a totally different thing, and it's it's really really tough to do. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. Do you have any other uh, I guess like closing thoughts on this? I know that we've talked on or we've touched on several of the points that you made here, and I definitely want to like. Uh, leave people a reason to continue to to actually dive in and read the whole um, article. But were there any other uh, points that maybe you were you were thinking about that you didn't that didn't make the cut in your in your final piece as you were putting this together? Uh, actually, yeah. So there's a documentary from 2013. And full disclosure, like some of the stuff that is included in it is already aged a little weird in a 2022 lens so know that going into it. But it's a documentary called I Know That Voice, and it has. Everyone you could imagine <laughs> that has done voiceover, people like John DiMaggio and Billy West, Mark Hamill, Seth Green, Kevin Conroy, uh, Jim Cummings, Clancy Brown, Bob Burgeon, D. Bradley Baker, Pamela Adlin, uh, Tom Kenny, Carlos Rocky. Like I could just I'm not going to wow. laundry list. It's like everyone you could think of. And it's all of them talking about you know, what it's like to work in the industry, how difficult it is, what it actually takes. And there's a couple people that bring up multiple times that like voice acting is not as simple as being able to like do a cool impression of of a celebrity saying their most trademark line. Like everybody thinks they can do a Christopher Walken. Everybody thinks that they can do an Arnold Schwarzenegger. But like, can you do Arnold Schwarzenegger not quoting his favorite lines? Can you think like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Can you change tone? Can you whisper like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like how much goes into crafting these characters, how you have to take care of your voice like an instrument the way that an athlete does it's really, really fascinating. And um, I think anybody who is looking to learn more about the world of voiceover artistry, as well as understand like what goes into it, that is a perfect documentary to watch. And one more time, it's called I Know That Voice. Awesome. Yeah, I just looked it up and it is streaming on Peacock uh, for free with ads right now. Same thing with um, with Tubi. You can watch it there with ads for free as well. So uh, yeah, that's a great recommendation. I've never seen that. I've never heard of that before, but I'm definitely adding that to my to my watch list. It's, so. it's pretty fantastic. I mean, you get to meet... The voice of uh, the voices of so many characters that you didn't even know that you loved, and many of them are people that 
you know, you've probably never seen their faces before. And that's even cooler when you get to look at somebody and then hear the voice come out of their body and it doesn't always match what their face looks like. It's fantastic. (laughs) Okay. So again, BJ's article is called Why Celebrity Stunt Casting Hurts, Animated Movies, and How Hollywood Can Fix It. Again, I will link to that in the show notes. BJ, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank um, you for having me. Yeah, definitely. And you can find more about what we've talked about uh, on today's show at SlashFilm.com. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.